This sermon was recorded at Highway San Jose in San Jose, California. If you'd like to find out more about Highway Community, you can head to www.highway.org. He is risen, amen? Amen. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Thanks for coming to Highway. Easter is all about resurrection, of course. And we've just entered the first few days of spring, right? So we see resurrection, we see renewal all around us, right? Although, hi, good to see you. (laughs) But as most of you know, we're in this time of spring, we're in this time of renewal, but we're in a drought here in California, right? We're being asked to conserve water, to be careful. And even though we're in a drought, we're in an El Nino year, and the scientific definition of El Nino is when it rains a lot. So even in a drought, crazy things can happen. Crazy things can happen even in places like Death Valley, one of the driest, hottest, most desolate places on the earth. And something special happens when El Nino hits Death Valley. Let's take a look at a video. It's very rare to have a good bloom in Death Valley. You, you always get flowers somewhere in Death Valley, almost every month of the year, but to have a big bloom like this, which we hope will become a super bloom, which is beyond all your expectations, uh, that those are quite rare, maybe once a decade or so. I've lived in Death Valley for 25 years and I've seen lots of blooms, lots of wildflower blooms in Death Valley. And I kept thinking I was seeing incredible blooms. I was always very excited until I saw one of these super blooms. And then I suddenly realized there are so many seeds out there just waiting to sprout, just waiting to grow. I had no idea that there was that much out there. When you get the perfect conditions, the perfect storm, so to speak, those seeds can all sprout at once. These areas that are normally just rock, just soil, just barren, not even shrubs, they're filled with life. So Death Valley really does go from being a valley of death to being a valley of life. But that's so brief because it's not a permanent thing, it's just temporary. It's here for a moment, and then it fades. If you get a chance to see a bloom in Death Valley, especially a super bloom, you should take the opportunity to see it because it could be a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You have to have just the perfect conditions. You never know when it's going to happen, and you never know when you're going to have the time to go out there. So if it happens once a decade, are you going to be able to do that? So it's a privilege to be able to be here and see one of these blooms because Very few people get to see it, and it is incredible. 
So it's true right now, Death Valley is experiencing a super bloom, like the park ranger talks about in the video. Now before I continue, I want to say something to our kids and students. I know that sitting through a sermon in church can be like a trip to Death Valley. <laughs> so we have something to help you out this morning. Down the front we have some goodie bags for you. We'll call them bags of Easter goodness. So if you're a kid this morning, come on down and grab a bag. This is going to help you get through the next few minutes here at Highway. If you're a student, fifth to eighth grade, you have special bags over here with an S on them because you're special. So come down and grab those. Adults, don't worry. Your gift bags will be waiting for you after the service. There'll be a new iPhone in there and some Microsoft stock and things like that. So kids, here's the thing. In your bags, one of the things you'll find in there is a packet of wildflower seeds. So you can take those home and create your own super bloom in your backyard here in San Jose, right? Enjoy that. Okay, how many people have been to Death Valley? Anybody? Yeah, it's a crazy place, right? So when I was uh, in high school, the Marx family took a trip of the American Southwest, and we toured all around down there, Grand Canyon, Lake Powell, the whole thing. And on our way back, we had to drive through Death Valley. And so my dad came up with the idea to drive through in the middle of the night when it was cooler. And so that was the plan. So we started out at about 11 p.m., midnight, something like that. And Death Valley was a cool, you know, 105, 110, something like that. And we were supposed to sleep all night in the car, but I couldn't sleep because I just kept thinking, Dad, drive faster, otherwise, if we're still in the car when the sun comes up, they're going to have to peel the Marx family off the asphalt, you know, like in a cartoon or something. So the analogy here is probably obvious to you at this point, but the idea of the super bloom in Death Valley is not unlike what happens when we, re, when we experience the rebirth that comes with Christ. This is like a movie theater in here right now, right? <laughs> so we celebrate that today on Easter. We celebrate that rebirth, that resurrection, you know? And for many of us, life can feel like Death Valley, right? A hostile place, a place devoid of life sometimes, a place without color. Many times life is like that, right? And yet, that very same desolate place can look like this. Super bloom. I love what the park ranger says in the news story. He says, there are so many seeds out there just waiting to sprout, waiting to grow. That's like us, right? These are areas that are normally barren. They're filled with life. And Death Valley goes from being a valley of death to a valley of life. What a great way to describe Easter Day. It's a great analogy for what happens when Christ truly captures us, and the story takes root within us. There's a passage in the book of Isaiah that has similar imagery, and it's actually the passage that we take the name of our church from, Highway. This is Isaiah 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Then later, the burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, in the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. This is redemption imagery. 
the imagery of rebirth. It's no accident either. Christianity is all about this. Rebirth, new life, broken things being repaired, dead things coming to life, and that's what we commemorate today on Easter Sunday. So let's look back at the resurrection account from the Gospel of John. This is verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who was it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father, to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is such a powerful moment here. The thing that stands out to me, and I'm sure you caught this too, is that after all that's happened, Mary, who loved Jesus, was so racked with guilt in this moment, she doesn't recognize him. She doesn't recognize that he's standing right next to her. For that matter, it doesn't even seem that she recognizes that these are angels standing in the tomb either. So Mary's there. She doesn't notice Jesus until one thing happens. He calls her by name, Mary. At that moment, her eyes open. She shouts out, Rabboni, teacher, my teacher, actually. And from Jesus' response, we can tell that she grabs onto him. She embraces him. She hugs him. She grasps on to Jesus. So he calls her by name. That's, that's the moment, I think. That's the powerful moment. He calls out to her, and what happens is she she shifts her gaze away from her grief, away from her sorrow, and she looks to Jesus. And she becomes a witness to the resurrection. I have seen the Lord, is what she says at the end. The thing is, Christ calls each of us by name. Earlier in his life, Jesus was at a festival and he's teaching and he says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. Kids and students, this is actually written on your bags so that you'll remember that. You can't be snatched out of God's hands. There's power when Jesus addresses Mary directly like that. He says, basically, notice me. Turn toward me. We need to follow that. It's an imperative, actually. Hey, over here. We need to dial back our obsession with the world, our obsession with our anxieties and things like that, and look to Christ as he calls out to us. Now, that may sound like oversimplifying, right? There's a lot going on in the world. Paris, Brussels, we've got a crazy election going. Kids, you guys have school, homework, friends, teachers, you know, we've got a lot to navigate. But looking toward Christ, it's not putting your head in the sand, it's a way through, it's a way 
to travel through life, to keep our eyes on him so we can stay straight, become distinct followers of his because he calls us by name. When I was a kid, I think I was eight or nine, I got a present for my birthday. It was a 45. Let me explain what a 45 is. It's a, it's a piece of wax plastic that you put on a turntable, spun around, and music magically came out of it. So 45 had one song on each side, and what this was was two birthday songs with my name in it. Now, I can't remember the other song, but the, but the first song went like this. What do we have at Kevin's party? We have candy. Everybody. What do we have at Kevin's party? We have soda. What do we have at Kevin's party? We have candy. Happy birthday, Kevin. Your birthday is today. Hey, so, I, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I couldn't get enough of this record, okay? I would, I would play it all year long, and I would just dance around, man. I couldn't believe that somewhere, somebody had written a song just for me, and there was a band somewhere that went into a studio somewhere and recorded this song, you know? I loved it. And the more I realized, the more I listened to it, I realized something. Every time it came to the point in the song where it said my name, it was a different person. <laughs> it was like, what do we have at Kevin's party? We and, it was, and I was like, wait a minute. Okay. And it turned out my sister had the same record. What do we have at Michelle's party? So here's this thing that I thought was written just for me, this song that was just for me, and I started to realize, even in my young age, oh, this is really like a mass marketing thing. They've made hundreds of these things. They've filled in the blanks, you know. And it started to lose some of its specialness. But... One thing, though, my wife, who's a high school teacher, still sings this song to her students on the day of their birthday in class. So it's, the song lives, that piece of art lives on in our society. So the thing is, though, Jesus does call us by name individually. It is a special song written just for us. You know, following Christ and following his teaching, you know, we sometimes call it the way of the cross because we follow him in that way. It's a true path, I believe that. And I, I believe that God does call each person to follow him, to notice him, to turn toward him, to turn away from distraction, to a life that's full and true, a death valley that now teems with living things. So how do we do that? How in the world does that happen? Well, even though we're called individually, called by name, we do it together. The life of faith is easy and hard, it's simple and complex, it's comforting, it's frustrating, and we see that borne out in all the drama of the Easter story, all the narratives that we looked at this week, from Good Friday to the resurrection, there's a lot there, but we walk through it together. That's what a church community does, that's what we do here at Highway, that's why we gather together. And when we do walk together, the journey is one of joy. So let's walk together. And like Mary, let's turn toward Christ. Let's notice Christ and turn toward him and be witnesses of the resurrection. Say, I have seen the Lord. Let's not leave Easter behind us and go, that was great. We all looked great. It was a great celebration. And then forget. Let's keep looking in his 
direction. As we continue today, we're going to celebrate communion. And it's fitting that we do that. Communion is all about remembrance, and Easter is a day of remembrance. If the band will join me on stage, communion is something that the church has celebrated for years and years. The night before he was betrayed, Jesus ate the Passover meal with his friends, and he infused new meaning into it when he said simply, look at the bread, look at the wine, and remember me. That's what communion is, remembrance. And Easter is a day we remember Christ, a day of joy. We celebrate an open communion table here at Highway, which means everyone's welcome to come to the table. There's no membership or anything like that. So if you'd like to come, remember Jesus this morning in the bread and in the wine, you're welcome to do that. Parents, if you'd like to bring your kids, you're welcome to do that. But let's celebrate today. As we spend a few more moments in worship, let's let our joy and our thankfulness fill the room. Let's remember the dead places coming to life, the blooming that happens in our lives. Let's turn toward Christ together. We're gonna sing a song called Man of Sorrows as we continue. And um, as we do that, I'd like to read another account from the book of Isaiah. It's the part of scripture where the song gets its name from. This was written hundreds of years before Christ's birth. Do me a favor, close your eyes, if you will, and listen to this description of the one who calls you by name. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, a man of sorrows, and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Amen.